Welcome to the Bitcoin Zodiac, the podcast that explores the intersection of finance and astrology, where we use a combination of spirituality and logic to help us connect the dots in the market. Hosted by Corinne Florence and Claire Marinan, who both come from a diverse background, bringing with them a wealth of knowledge and experience in the realms of astrology, cryptocurrency, trading, philosophy, investment strategy, and of course, Bitcoin. In each episode, we explore the economics of the markets following the evolution of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies through each moon cycle and astrological transit. Join us on this journey as we explore the intersection of these two worlds that are often thought to be at odds with one another, finance and astrology. Whether you're a seasoned crypto investor, a day trader, or just starting to dip your toes into the world of Bitcoin and blockchain, the Bitcoin Zodiac is the podcast for you. So sit back, relax, and come and expand your consciousness with us as we explore the world of the financial markets through an astrological lens. Good evening. Good evening. Good morning. How are we? How are we feeling? Fabulous. Fabulous today. I had a bit of a a bit of a rough day yesterday. I'm not rough, but like I really felt those big energy shifts of um of Pluto moving into Aquarius. It really really got me good actually. What about you? Yeah. Well, sending you love and healing. It's been odd. Um I feel like I feel like my physical body initially really started feeling a lot of shifts and then yeah and then you know just a lot of thoughts I've very much been in my head we took a little little mini vacay staycay to just like disconnect a bit from everyday life and routine and I just had I was just really in my feels really in my feels so um thank you Pluto yeah for the shifts but so we are here recording today on the 23rd of January but as of the 21st of January we had Pluto make its move from Capricorn into Aquarius kind of like its last little stint in Aquarius for 2024 before it moves back into Capricorn and then eventually actually I think it's November 2024 so this year we'll have Pluto finally move and stay in Aquarius for you know however many years I think it's until like 2040 so we're gonna have Pluto in Aquarius for quite some time and I feel like it's such a um a period of or this year is just such a dissolving of the old very and much. really preparing for the new. Yeah, very, very much. And yeah, I sort of felt like that even yesterday. It's so funny that you say that you were kind of having an emotional day yesterday. I was really, you know, emotional yesterday too. And I just sort of stayed home and, you know, had a bit of a cry and um, was just, yeah, mm-hmm. very, very in my feels. And um you know, I spoke to a really good friend of mine. She actually just randomly messaged me out of the blue saying, hey, you know, I'm just thinking of you today. I hope you're okay. And I'm like, well, I'm I'm generally really good. But like um, today, you know, I'm just having a bit of a, a down day. 
And um, when I spoke to my mom about it as well, she was like, you know that these big shifts in energy really affect you. So, you know, um, why don't you just not ignore what you're feeling, but like just sort of go, okay, this too shall pass, right? With these energies mm. pass. But should we talk about um, Pluto and Aquarius first? Because we have spoken about it quite extensively yeah. previously but I think we can do a bit of a refresher on it um yeah just to kick Absolutely. us off it is such a big transition it really is very important for Bitcoin and crypto in my opinion um because yeah. you know it is like a 20 year 20 year cycle it is one of the outer planets so they're generally um it's generally referred to as a, like a generational transit um it's not quite on an entire generation, but it it is um it is a long, slow moving transit. So it initiates this long term transition in in Aquarius in societal, technological, and collective areas. So Pluto is very much associated with transformation, power dynamics, rebirth, um, deep and deep seated change. So it often indicates. Um, areas where profound upheaval and regeneration are required. And then Aquarius is an air sign known for its association with innovation, technology, community, and a futuristic outlook. So it's really linked to rebellion, independence, and unconventional approaches. Um, sounds like Bitcoin to me, Bitcoin friendly to oh, me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, so um, we have this transit that suggests this period of significant transformation in all areas ruled by Aquarius, like technology, social structures, and collective ideologies. So it could herald groundbreaking changes in how we interact as a society and how we use technology. So expect mm -hmm. a surge in technological advancements and their integration into the financial markets. So this could lead to the creation of new financial instruments and platforms and new financial innovations, which we, you know, which we have seen coming for quite some time. But it's just um, it's really interesting to see how this transition is going to um, play out. So Pluto's transformative nature combined with Aquarius's unpredictability can lead to increased volatility in financial markets. Um, you know, Aquarius is also about the unexpected. So, um, yeah, so for the next 20 years, it could be a little more volatile than we've seen it for the past 20 years. Mm. Um, so Aquarius association with technology and innovation really could lead to broader acceptance of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, potentially increasing their value and increasing their adoption. Um, there could be significant regulatory transformations regarding digital currencies, you know, impacting Bitcoin's price positively and negatively, and um, also impacting its adoption, you know, depending on the nature of these changes. And I'll speak a little bit more on that later. Um, but, you know, really consider at this time investing in sectors that align with Aquarian themes, such as technology, AI, and even renewable energies. So, Pluto's changes are often long-term. So any investments that you make around this idea 
really should be investments um, viewed with a long-term perspective rather than looking for immediate gains. Um, yeah, so that's sort of really all I have on Pluto and Aquarius, but yeah. I'm really looking forward to this transit. That's why I was kind of caught a bit off guard mm -hmm. yesterday that those big energies coming through, um, you know, were not, you know, made me feel really kind of like, made me feel very vulnerable and very um, like the ground was moving beneath me. That's kind of the feeling that mm -hmm. I had. So interesting. And, and I feel like that really, that is a, and and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, that is the type of emotion and feeling that you would get when there is this, such a big shift. I really think about like in the physical sense, when you're like the earth is moving, we are shifting, we are transforming. So it literally does feel like the, the ground is unstable because everything is changing. Not only is it Pluto in Aquarius, but as we've spoken about in past episodes, you know, we've only just really shifted into the Aquarian age. We shifted into the Aquarian age as of 2012. And the first 150 years from that is just us creating the new, getting old, getting rid of those old ways that are just not serving us towards our higher selves let's say and so we're just in such a a shaking time so you know i i also was looking at things like the schumann resonance um and just looking at different frequencies and vibrations that we're having in the world and it it is a transformative time and i think transformation actually is probably probably the best word for for pluto it really brings about a lot of um, transformation. So, yeah. and actually what I also love is that Pluto is the, Pluto rules the eighth house and that's all about hidden power, uh, taboo things, death and rebirths, which is again, transformation, shared resources. I'm sure we can already start thinking about some themes there that are happening in the world. And lie detection, which is really interesting to see as we're shifting now into Aquarius and a lot of those Aquarian themes are um, are being brought to light or what have we've lied about in the past and now thanks to Aquarius, it's a lot of it is coming to light. So mm. this is this is a rocky time. This is a rocky time. And I think that having a cry is absolutely okay. Where I have my moments where yeah. I know I just sit there in tears and I'm like, I don't even really know what's going on or why I'm crying. I just feel like crying. And even just those emotions of <laughs> questioning where you're like, hold on a second, what was and what is and what will be? Mm. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot. Yeah, I mean, even good change is still change, right? And the thing is, the way that our nervous system works is that actually 
our nervous system doesn't, even though I don't label things like this, good and bad, but our nervous system definitely doesn't see good and bad. Our nervous yeah. system is what am I used to? Where do I feel safe? Even if that is keeping you stuck in a place that you really shouldn't be. And even in a place that you don't like, your nervous system still feels safe there. So I don't want to be in Pluto in Capricorn anymore. I'm ready for Pluto in Aquarius. <laughs> But actually that shift, like your nervous system needs adjusting to that. And um, yeah, it needs to have the capacity to hold that new energy. So yeah, mm -hmm. I think it's pretty normal. I try not to intellectualize either. I mean, saying that I really was going overdrive in that yesterday of, of like, you know, mm -hmm. just overthinking. But, um, you know, I think also just sometimes it's just good to just let those emotions flow through you instead of really trying to have to figure out like, why do I feel this way? You know, and just, just letting yourself feel that way. Yeah. Yep. Just feeling and being mood. <laughs> yeah, um, Bitcoin I, I think is another... not, is not helping my mood. Can I tell you? No. The chart is looking ugly. It's looking, it's not looking great. <laughs> Isn't it so interesting how, and you know, I love to say that even though we have a lot of institutions coming into Bitcoin and we have big money players, that you can see some sort of level of manipulation in the market. I do still feel like Bitcoin is such a representation of the human collective consciousness. Like every time that we have these big moves to the downside, it's, I, I talk to people and even people that are out of crypto that are not involved with crypto and they feel very similar. So I, I feel like when we have these transformational moments within us and we just want to sit there and cry, it's as if Bitcoin just like is a mirror into how we're feeling, whether or not we're in crypto. Mm. And I do think it's super interesting that as soon as, you know, we we had Pluto move into Aquarius, we have seen a lot of blood in the market, a lot of red. Um, because if we think about it, Pluto or every cryptocurrency that we can think of, minus just a few here and there, in which were more recently made cryptocurrencies, but majority of them all have their natal Pluto in Capricorn. Because the first cryptocurrency was Bitcoin, founded in 2008, first transaction in 2009, and Pluto has been in Capricorn since then. So you have to think also about Pluto in terms of like generations, right? Like every generation has their Pluto in a particular sign. Um, so whether you're like Gen Y, X, Z, Baby Boomer, et cetera, you'll have Pluto in the same signs as that generation or as the same as your generation. And it's like the cryptos that we've seen so far, their generation was the generation of cryptos created with Pluto in Capricorn. So now that we're shifting into Aquarius, that's a major shift and change for them as well. And like you just said, the nervous system doesn't recognize whether it's a good or a bad change because I do believe that Pluto in Aquarius is really good for crypto long term. Um, 
but they still have to adapt to that change. And it's as if like, yes, I am referring to them as people, but imagine if they were people, they would be like, okay, help me. I'm going through transformation. I don't know what's going on. I'm sad. I'm crying. And we see price come down. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's just, it's just a, a shift. So yeah, Bitcoin's having a bit of a pullback, which we had mentioned past, you know, the past episode we had, we spoke about New Moon and Capricorn, and that was where we believe to see uh, not even just a local top, but quite a significant top. Um, and we saw Bitcoin reach, you know, that 48,700 approximately, depending on which exchange or platform you're looking at. And ever since then, price has continued to just head down to the downside. Also, Bitcoin spot ETF was uh, approved for 11 different uh, institutions. So that's where, and I believe we touched on this last episode as well. We were like, well, we think that the emotions, the hype uh, around the ETF approval, it's as if price had already it had already been factored into the price. And so as soon as it was approved, New Moon in Capricorn, that's Bitcoin's purpose, you know, uh, with the sign in Capricorn being its main sign. And ever since then, local top or top for quite some time was created. And now we're just heading down to the downside. Um, we do have the full moon in Leo. And for all of you listening, happy full moon in Leo, um, which we'll touch on soon, but that my full moon, oh boy, let's see how I'm going to feel in these coming days. If I go missing guys, it's me just (laughs) crawling up in a ball (laughs) and just feeling all the feels. No, no, no. I'm just, I'm exaggerating in classic Leo tradition. You know, we just like to make everything extravagant. Drama, drama, drama. (laughs) Hey, I like to say we're extra expressive. <laughs> oh boy, but um so I lost my train of thought. That's so funny. We have got some other yeah, I mean look, the um I mean let's just take a moment to acknowledge how ridiculous the actual approval process sort of was oh my how, god how unprofessional in a manner it it came about I mean it's just so I mean you can't even write this stuff I swear um oh so I, for those of you maybe who weren't following this um there was a leaked tweet from the um SEC's Twitter account announcing the approval of an ETF, and then it was quickly deleted and denounced and what have you, and said that it was, you know, they were hacked and it was a fake, you know, it was a fake tweet. And then the following day, they actually did go ahead and approve these ETFs. But we also have some, um, you know, selling pressure on the market as um, GBTC, which we have spoken about the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, um, they are one of the largest holders of Bitcoin on the planet. And um, I think they own upwards of 600,000 Bitcoin. 
and um, they have they were also approved for an ETF, so they will be rolling that trust into the, they are rolling that trust into the ETF. Previously, that ETF uh, that trust was trading um, at a net to asset value, a negative net to asset value that was trading at a discount. And um, so a lot of people who were in that trade, it was actually a really great trade if you were in it, um, will be close, will be taking those profits that they that they made when they purchased. They were basically betting on Grayscale getting an ETF and they were they were buying mm. at a discount and then it was rolled over. And so that discount is now closed. So you see a lot of people selling there. You also have seen FTX, who just will not stop ha haunting the crypto market, mm. also sold about a billion dollars worth of grayscale Bitcoin ETF yesterday. So there are a lot of outflows. And also, again, with the grayscale um, GBTC, they are also the highest priced ETF in terms of fees. And so you see a lot of investors that were previously invested in the in the trust. Um, now that it's been rolled over to the ETF, they're also withdrawing their funds from that ETF because there are cheaper ones elsewhere as well. So there is a lot of downward pressure on the market from a practical point of view as well. Um, so yeah, we are seeing that for sure. Yeah, transitions, transformations happening everywhere. Um, just for anybody that maybe is newer to the space or doesn't know, I did want to just specify. So the SEC is the Securities and Exchange Commission. Um, and I think it's important to just even look at this because I I love helping people understand that I feel like we're all just these big children living in the world and just trying to figure it out. And the idea that the SEC, Securities and Exchange Commission, whose job and role is to create security and safety for the 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 consumers or the customers inside the markets right and they enforce laws against uh market manipulation to have them go and apparently have their account hacked apparently didn't have their 2fa their two-factor authentication uh mm -hmm put into their X or Twitter account, right, is it just seems like absolutely ridiculous. If this had been any other person or entity that went and did that and created what is, at the end of the day, whether it was done on purpose or not, it was a market manipulation, yeah. was it was very wrong. It was very wrong. SEC, and if it was anyone else, the SEC would be suing them. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, so who got fired here? Or like, not that I wish that upon anybody. Maybe it was a genuine mistake, but it's like you work for the SEC. Like there is no way that even if you had accidentally like pushed the, the post button instead of the schedule, like you cannot make those kind of mistakes. So I just really want to like underline that and why I say that we're just these little kids in big bodies just trying to do life is because I see like things like this happen and I'm like this is the point of blockchain this is the point of us shifting our trust 
from fully trusting humans in things such as centralized entities, right, into a code, into a predetermined code that we have agreed upon and we say, yes, that is what we like. So we're shifting our trust. And that's a very Aquarian age theme, very much uh, just an Aquarian theme in general, um, because we are humans. We do have, we do make mistakes. That's why, you know, even when I did my medical degree and we were doing lab and research studies and different things, we also, we always accounted for human error because that's just how we are. So blockchain technology brings, um, solutions to this too. So anyway, that was, that was a little important spiel (laughs) on, um, I mean, they're really not fit for purpose, the SEC, because their mandate is to protect investors, whereas they're actually protecting the interests of the American government. So um, I think the the biggest thing that came out of that for me is that, you know, OK, if it was a mistake, fine. But they they didn't own, you know, it's just such a mm-hmm. it's just such a common theme for our systems of governance these days. And generally, as a society, I think we've become very narcissistic as a society and it seems to be especially you know politicians are kind of known for just telling lies which I don't know why we think that's acceptable but we just sort of are also used to it being a given and so again it's just one of those things instead of just owning up and saying hey we made a mistake um we really messed up here um they just tell another lie, tell another lie and pretend that that never happened and just continue on. And that's exactly, you know, like very much textbook narcissistic behavior is like, you know, even if you do do something that is wrong, it's almost like they feel that if they apologize for it, then um, they're losing. Whereas if they just ignore that it ever happened in the first place, then no one can blame them for anything. I don't know the psychology really, but it, I can really see that it's very much prevalent, um, you know, in our society today. And so I hope we can make a shift, you know, yeah. in this Aquarian age. I hope that's one of the things that's going to be transformed is that, you know, we take a little bit more ownership and accountability and, you know, align to truth a bit more. And that's really what Bitcoin is all about. It's like, don't trust, verify, you know, verify truth. So I'm yeah. looking forward to that shift and that transition. And, um, you know, Gary Gensler, the little gremlin, um, (laughs) his ring. Mr. Burns, Gary Burns. Really does look a lot like Mr. Burns, right? (laughs) Like it's really crazy, but I don't know. I don't want to attack people personally, but he, you know, he just never stands up and takes ownership for any of the mistakes that they make. Mm. And uh, I just think that's really sad. It's really it's really hard to respect someone like that when they, when they operate like that. But um, did you, (laughs) did you see his statement about the, uh, the ATF approvals for spot Bitcoin? Was it? So it was like on the official SEC website. He looked like he was in pain to do it. Right. He didn't really want to. So we spoke last episode about how there was uh, like looking at the astrology. I said something about like 
there was a little bit of like a temper tantrum feeling. And I just imagined a kid like throwing a tantrum. And after I read um, Gary's statement, after they approved the, uh, the, the spot ETF, approved uh, spot Bitcoin ETF approval or whatever. Um, I just, it was him. Like he, in that statement, it was almost as if like, yo, like they, they forced me to, I didn't want to, but here we are. I did it anyway. But he, 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 that was the feeling I got from it. He didn't want to, he didn't want them to be approved. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. Definitely had the energy of a child that had been forced to go and tidy their bedroom. Like it had that (laughs) vibe to it, like a a pouty kind of temper tantrum sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Tantrum. Yeah, being made or yep. you know being made to apologize because you just had a temper tantrum. Yeah, very yeah. interesting the way that that all went down. But I mean, you can just you can only laugh at these things that like, you can't make this stuff up. Like really, but um, I read a really interesting article this um this week uh, by Arthur Hayes, who I love highly recommend he's not as we're not associated with him at all um but i highly recommend people go and sign up to his free Substack. um i think it's called crypto haze um but he actually had um i don't know if you saw this meme coin that was like dog dog with hat did you see this <laughs> absolutely dog with hat no tell me yes. more this is a new meme coin i mean Tell me oh that the God. bull run is on its way without saying the bull runs on its way. Like really um, that we start oh to have these like insane meme coins just start to pop off. But anyway, that's what the name of the article is. It's called ETF with hat. And it's got a picture of Gary Ginsler in a beanie. Um, so, but the actual article is really, really good. And it was talked about something that I talked about last week in regards to these being a bit aware of you know what these ETFs are actually about and he went into a lot of detail he may or may not have been listening to our last week's episode and picked this up (laughs) from me but he's gone into a lot more detail so I will put the link in the show notes to read the article but really he's talking about how you know the reality of this is my words not his but the reality as I've said before of the system of central banking is realistically the system of central banking is just an idea and Bitcoin is also an idea. And um, we have, because we have put so much attention, every person on the planet basically is invested in, you know, puts our attention towards and, you know, puts our energy in the form of monetary value in the system of central banking. So we've, you know, this is a very, very powerful idea because of our attention and our investment in it. And um, basically, when someone sees another competing idea, like a very disruptive idea like Bitcoin, you know, the people or institutions that really um, control the system of central banking, the, um, the adoption curve of Bitcoin which, by the way, is steeper than the internet, you know, really must scare the shit out of them, whether they, you know, like Mm. to downplay it or not, you know. And, you know, Bitcoin is a very small asset in the grand scheme of things, but that adoption curve um, would really be quite scary to them, I think. And so 
you know, countries, we've seen countries over the years ban Bitcoin, but as we all know, like banning something kind of brings out this rebellious, you know, nature in us and it draws more attention and it makes people want it more. Like think of times of prohibition when people, you know, you know, alcohol is banned, but they want, you know, it made it more and more popular. I think of it in terms of like recently, the more they try to ban Donald Trump, the more his supporters are obsessed with him. You know, it, it's almost give, by them trying to ban him and trying to cancel him, it's almost given him more power. And so if you really want to get rid of something, if you really want to kill something, then you starve it of oxygen. You know, you don't give it any attention. Um, but really what has happened with Bitcoin, so they tried to ban it, but that didn't work. It kind of made it stronger. And so really the the goal would be, if you wanted to kill Bitcoin, the goal would be to slow adoption of Bitcoin, of actual Bitcoin. And so I do think that in a way these ETFs will be somewhat successful in doing that. I don't think they will stop adoption of Bitcoin, um, but they have slowed it in a way because we as a society, as a as a human species, we will do anything to avoid pain. So we will sell our souls basically for the sake of convenience, you know, to avoid the pain of inconvenience. And we will do anything for the illusion of safety. And really at this point in time, as I touched on last episode, I think what these ETFs do is that a lot of people will be like, it's just so much easier to just you know, get exposure to Bitcoin through an ETF. I can just call my broker. I can use this app on my phone. It's such a pain to like on-ramp into crypto. It's such a pain to then transfer into cold storage. It's a hassle. It's inconvenient. And, um, you know, I think that that's really what is happening is that almost they have managed to circumvent the attention that is on Bitcoin and sort of channel it and keep people still holding value in their system rather than moving over to Bitcoin and storing value in the Bitcoin network. And um, so touche, I think they will be some, you know, de depending on your view of success, I think that they will achieve um, some amount of success in that because I think a lot of people will um, you know, will kind of choose that option, which um, is is kind of sad. But um, I think that's reality. We already see that attitude even when it comes to centralized exchanges. You know, there's time and time again, people are told, don't keep your crypto on centralized exchanges. Store them in your own wallet, not your keys, not your crypto. And yet still, time and time again, people um, leave their coins on because they're like, oh, it's not that much money. I can't be bothered. It's a hassle to transfer them into the wallet. What if I do it incorrectly? All of those things. So we already see that with exchanges. I think we'll definitely see that with ETFs. Um, and, you know, especially with people who are not necessarily like crypto native. And um, so in the sense that is like a success for, for the, um, the powers that be within the central banking system because they've managed to convince you that you um, are exposed to Bitcoin, but they still get to keep that value 
that attention, that representation of energy and attention in their system, which they control. So there is that. Um, the other side of that conversation as well is that I, I've spoken about inconvenience. The other side of that is this illusion of safety. I do have a feeling, um, last week I spoke about how I do believe, and we're already seeing it in the background, it being made more and more inconvenient to on-ramp into crypto and to purchase Bitcoin, actual Bitcoin. Um, so that there is a definite coordinated effort in that. There, you've experienced it even in Australia, Corinne, where it's oh, it's yeah. very hard to, you know, banks are just not allowing you to on-ramp into crypto. So it's becoming much more inconvenient. And I think the next phase of that is the other side of it, which is what will do for the illusion of safety. I think that that feeling of safety and security and cold storage will be, there will be something that will attempt to undermine that. So um, I don't know whether that's an attack on cold wallets or we've already had a hint of it with Ledger earlier this year, but I think um, I personally am choosing to diversify my cold storage options. So I don't just have everything tied to one, um, just tied to Trezor, for example. So I think that we could see something like that. But um, I think overall, I don't think it will stop Bitcoin. But I, uh, again, I think the goal is not necessarily to stop it because I don't think that there is the network effects that Bitcoin has. It is impossible to stop. So the goal, I think, really has been on the agenda has been to slow the adoption. And without even realizing it, even though it looks like, oh, wow, Bitcoin's becoming so mainstream, um, the adoption of real Bitcoin self-custodied um, has been slowed somewhat, you know, or will be slowed somewhat by um, by these ETFs. But um, it is what it is. And I think it's up to the individual to, you know, if you're if you are looking to get exposure to Bitcoin, having a look at all of the options and why, you know, you would choose to self-custody versus using an ETF. So, yeah, yeah. that's my take so, on that. So important, everything that you just said. And I, I feel like this is this is where the as we spoke about last episode the the revolution the the awakening happens where we are being invited and a little bit pushed to step into what i call self-responsibility and very much we can see that in every area of our life in the world but we can really look at it even just from a financial standpoint and that's what crypto i, I really believe came here to do um you know, and it's very back, bringing it back to the the astrology very much with like even the whole Aquarian age, Pluto in Aquarius. Actually, we're also in Aquarian season or the Aquarius season right now. And we're just seeing a lot of these Aquarian themes. You know, it, Aquarius is all about like being independent and intellectual and about technology. It also has a very strong sense of like social justice and desire for change. And it's very forward thinking. And it wants to make the world an everyone around it a better a better person in a better place and so I really look at this and I'm like we're being invited to step away from this 
old system. Once again, ETFs, central bankings, there we can really look at it like a very Pluto and Capricorn phase where it was about, okay, I can just rely on somebody else to take care of that for me. Whereas now we're stepping into no, it's about you having this self-responsibility of you owning your own assets, you being in control of your money and your finances. And challenges will come up along the way as per with anything when we're going through the transformation of it all. Um, but this is where we as the people get to get to choose and we get to help each other to self, to step into that self-responsibility. Um, so I actually think it's really exciting. I think that we need to help each other, very Aquarian too, work together as a community to help each other understand, okay, how can I easily and simply be in ownership of my assets? Because what is fear? And fear is the main emotion that they will continue to play upon, creating the fear yeah. of, as you were just saying, Claire, like, oh, like, okay, there's going to be maybe another attack on some other cold storage or another one like what happened already with Ledger. And so they're stepping into your fear. But what is, what is fear? Fear is typically when you don't know something, when you're not knowledgeable on it. And that's why they say, you know, one of the first steps to overcome fear is to actually like study and get to know what is that fear? Where is it coming from? And so it's similar here. When you don't know something, you're not confident with it, then of course you're going to be scared. But instead, if we can help each other and we can get educated on it and we can follow simple steps on, okay, I this is how I use the cold storage. This is how I send my crypto onto that, you know, then uh, or even understanding what are my private keys? Where do I write down my private keys? What is the seed or recovery phrase? Where do I write these down? How can I store them, et cetera, et cetera. As you step into that knowledge and that confidence, then the fear goes away. Um, and I, I also really want to re-emphasize what you said, Claire, about diversifying. You know, we talk a lot about diversifying maybe on your portfolio, like as in which crypto maybe you're invested in or... Uh, in general, you hear every industry talking about diversification, really important. Um, but even with where you're storing your crypto, having different types of cold storage so that you can keep your crypto in different places most definitely reduces the risk. Um, but just remember, ladies and gentlemen, not your keys, not your crypto. So it's really important that we we learn that and we start to step into that self-responsibility, which empowers us so much, Claire. I, I love it. I'm so excited for it. 100%, 100%, because the, the reality is, is that like, yes, we want everything to be convenient. And we, you know, as I always say, I don't say safety. I say the illusion of safety because, you know, mm. safety doesn't really exist it's not something that really exists and so in order to sort of lead people into a certain direction um fear will be used on one side and then illusion of safety will be used on the other side and um 
yeah that's just that's just the game that's always played right yep that's right that's right there is you know I the illusion of safety there there is risk in everything literally everything you just sitting there standing there right now listening to this there's a risk um but they do put this idea that we need to be safe all the time um and there is never 100 percent safety yeah so. and it, so the the you know the emphasis is always that you know they are the arbiters of safety they will keep you safe and yeah again we were talked about the sec i mean this is the biggest joke <laughs> that i've ever heard you know who are they keeping safe you know even i know around ftx and things like that they completely missed ftx but they were too busy you know taking down some tiny russian crypto exchange that no one had ever heard of so i know yeah, I don't yeah. Think they're really a trustworthy environment to to be relying on to keep you safe you've got to keep your, yourself as safe as possible and um 100 that's through measured risk it's not it's not about being 100% safe with anything so exactly and so i think that you know coming back to also just looking at bitcoin and price right now and its direction i think that we've got some really great uh buying opportunities coming up as um bitcoin does head down to the downside um as we you know are here on the full moon in leo we spoke about pluto and aquarius I feel like these are very important, uh, what's what I'm looking for? Transits, aspects that right now are pulling Bitcoin down. Um, I found the the astrology, the general astrology of, of Bitcoin during this full moon as well quite interesting. The full moon is actually happening on the rising sign or in the rising sign because Bitcoin's rising sign is Leo. Um, and it's happening specifically in the 12th house. So, uh, you know, the 12th house is all about um, the subconscious. It's about endings. It's about uh dreams so and it's it's kind of like a I always look at it kind of like the darkest house now not because it's like scary but dark as in it's like those deeper like the depths of things so um with the moon happening there and I you know when you have a moon especially a full moon happening in your rising sign and the closer it is directly on your ascendant um the more that it's about like really you getting a lot of attention whether it's for the good or the the less good right but it's just overall like uh attention being drawn to you and I feel like we're already starting to see that with Bitcoin coming down because a lot of people are like oh the ETF was really bad for Bitcoin but you know, uh, that's just, we don't trade the news, but that's most definitely starting to get a lot of attention. Um, and we also have then the moon opposing the, no, sorry, there is a trine, a trine with the natal moon of Bitcoin. So full moon trine the natal moon of Bitcoin. 
And this is actually a really great sign to invest. So in financial astrology, this is a sign of like, hey, good uh, investment opportunities are coming up. This is by no means financial advice. It's not saying, oh my God, it's the full moon by now. No, it's just starting to give us hints of like, hey, this is good for Bitcoin in this case. It's going to continue to be quite popular or maybe even more popularity coming along. It's going to get more attention. And this is typically a sign of like, get ready because there's going to be good um, buying opportunities. So that's really cool as well. Um, and the only other thing that I see that's quite interesting with this full moon, specifically looking at the full moon, is that it is in opposition to the natal Mercury. And I see that kind of like a, a misunderstanding. Um, and I, I, I believe and how I'm kind of like receiving this intuitively is that it's going to be a challenging time for the investors. So maybe those people that are currently holding Bitcoin, it's kind of like their faith being tested um, and maybe really testing whether they understand in the long run, is Bitcoin going to be okay? Or is there a misunderstanding of, oh no, panic, uh, do I think that I need to sell Bitcoin because we're going to continue coming down? So there most definitely is this pullback energy um, and Pluto, I think, is also interesting to look at from a, the, the transit perspective, specifically for Bitcoin during this time. As we said, it's just recently moved into Aquarius. And so it's getting closer and closer and is becoming conjunct with both the natal Jupiter and the natal Mercury of, uh, of Bitcoin. And um, let's talk first about Jupiter. So uh, da, 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 I just lost my notes here. Oh, so with the with Pluto being conjunct with the natal Jupiter of Bitcoin, it's about kind of having a moment of a, an important decision being made or kind of like a decisional point for Bitcoin. And it's about the, the decisions that are being made during this time is about how much success could Bitcoin potentially have in the long run. So that's, and, and I do feel that, I do feel like ever since we've had the ETF be approved for Bitcoin, I feel like it is such a decisional moment mm. where, and as we talk about like, astrology doesn't predict the future by no means. I don't believe in that, but I do believe that it gives us signs and hints with, okay, what could be happening around this time? And I do think ever since the ETF approval, we just, we're about to see a whole new way of operating in the crypto space and it will come along with more and more regulations and things like that. Um, and then also with Pluto being conjunct the natal Mercury, even there, it's like a very clear sign of a change in thinking and maybe a pivoting in the direction. So I, I think we can connect this to what you just spoke about, Claire, again, about 
okay, are people going to choose to be in ownership of their own Bitcoin or are they going to opt in more for that illusionary safety of it's okay, BlackRock can take care of my Bitcoin, right? Um, so I, I never feel like when it comes to Bitcoin, it's like Bitcoin making decision. It's about us people making a decision. Yeah. And Bitcoin always just seems to have this amazing quality of just kind of, well, again, it's that Capricorn energy of that image of the mountain goat, like just one foot in front of the other, one block at a time. You know, it's like it it just seems to sort of find its own way. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to be entirely negative about the ETFs. Um, they're not really of interest to me, but, you know, they're not entirely bad either. There's arguments for and against, you know, we always knew that institutional money at some point would come into Bitcoin. And so this yes. is uh, this is coming in. And so it's it's not entirely a bad thing at all. And it sort of pushes us more into um, like highlighting regulation. Again, that's that like Aquarius energy of, um, you know, opening things up in terms of innovation and technology and getting things regulated. And so, yeah, I don't think it's an entirely bad thing, but I just think there's things definitely to be aware of um, as always there. Yeah, 100%. And continuing with the astrology, we can also talk a little bit about the planet Venus because so I got add onto the full moon actually before we oh please do because that's super interesting I love this yeah. um, analogy that you have um but yeah I mean it is interesting this Leo because it's generally associated with sort of like comfort qualities like confidence creativity and sort of flair for the dramatic as we said before and so um, this sort of full moon energy really does emphasize boldness and risk taking and focus like on attention grabbing kind of ventures. And um, that kind of sounds more positive than I sort of see the rest of the charts, to be honest. Um, so but it also Leo energy often also relates to leaders and prominent figures. And so the actions of key market influencers or companies you know, could have an oversized impact on the market during this period. And I think we're already seeing that um, the FTX estate, GBTC, Gary Gensler, all of these bigger market um, influences um, are really um, sort of influencing the price action at the moment. And so it usually, Leo usually suggests a, a period of like heightened drama, which I think we're definitely seeing and confidence in financial markets, which I'm not sure. I think this is going to be a bit of a shakeout. And I do sort of want anyone listening to not be concerned. Like a couple of episodes back, we did mark out those levels if you want to return back to that episode. Um, and I think it was the, the new moon in Capricorn. And we talked about the levels that would be healthy for Bitcoin to come back to. And so, um, and to not be alarmed by that. So to have confidence, to have the confidence that when, you know, it looks like it's just could continue down to be like, no, we're actually at a key level and I'm confident to get in at this point. Um, not right this second, but uh, if you go back to that episode, you can see some of the levels um, that we could get to because oftentimes we get these 
kind of gifts of a pullback, which don't feel like gifts at the time, but they really are because you get the opportunity to purchase at a, at a lower price. But sometimes when you get to that level, you know, it's, it's too scary and all of the news around Bitcoin and crypto is very bearish. And so, you know, some people take it, it's scary to, to jump in and to, to grab those opportunities. And before you know it, we're back up at 50K again, you know? So really have that sort of confidence to be able to know the levels that you're looking at and where you want to get in and, um, you know, and go for it. Um, yeah. Can I just add in there before I forget? Because I feel like another important energy around Leo and what you're talking about. And I actually, um, we're going to have to bring it here to a podcast episode one day because I did this really cool session one time where I spoke about um, looking at your own astrology and identifying your characteristics or underlying characteristics as an investor. Um, and Leo is actually really highly associated with a high risk investment. Um, and so I feel like it's, it's connected to what you're saying, where maybe there is this moment of, it feels like a lack of confidence, but that Leo energy might create like a, oh, I think that if I do get into this, it's very, very high risk. Or if I stay in this, it's a very high risk. Um, but just that. Of that Leo boldness to step in at that moment. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like that's really connected. Um, yeah. As as a Leo, PS, I'm very conservative, but because I, I learned to be. <laughs> but go ahead. I felt like the high risk was really important there. But I feel like it's more of a feeling than an actual fact. Right. During this time. Right, right. Yeah. And, it, you know, Leo is all about courageous boldness. And sometimes when, what is that famous saying? I'm going to absolutely butcher this quote, but it's like when there's blood in the streets, you know, that's when, that's really when you should buy. Mm. And so yeah. it takes courage, you know, that actually takes boldness and conviction in, in what you're, what you're doing. So absolutely. Yeah. And um, yeah. And I think the the theme of this, this full moon with Leo um, and then the opposing sign of Aquarius in the sun and the opposing sign of Aquarius is it's really about on a personal level, transforming suffering into strength. So overcoming the fear um, or anxiety that you may have around fitting in or belonging and bravely revealing your authentic identity so Aquarius really inspires a collective transformation through individuality and expression of your unique self. So Leo, kind of, it's this really interesting opposition where we have Leo kind of helps us figure out um, what and who that really is. So Aquarius is this collective transformation through individual expression of our uniqueness. And Leo actually sort of like pulls that out and helps us figure out exactly what and who that is. So Leo is the what and the who. Aquarius is the the being. And um, so if we're going to create and live in a world that has never existed before, we must show up in a way that we never have before. So it's really sort of like letting this full moon in Leo support you 
in your unique creative expression and show up unapologetically in that. Because um, it's quite an interesting, Aquarius in itself is quite an interesting sort of polarity, I guess, or contradiction, that's the word I'm looking for, in the sense that it really is much more about the collective than about the individual, but the collective is strengthened by each individual being in their unique creative expression of self, right? So it's quite interesting in that way, whereas ordinarily, and everybody is going to have to adapt to this kind of Aquarian way, Aquarius way of thinking, um, because it is quite different. Like oftentimes we would see that collect, you know, the collective versus the individual is at polar opposites, where actually Aquarius thinking it's really not. It's like the individual has to be strengthened and has to be in that individual expression of self to be able to contribute to the collective and shift and transform the collective. So that's all, that's quite interesting, I think, um, to think about through this um, full moon for sure. Yeah, yep. It's most definitely gonna be an interesting one. I mean, as per every full moon. Um, <laughs> yeah, and actually, before I, I do talk about Venus, mm -hmm. I do want to remind everybody that on the 27th of January, we have Uranus that's been retrograde in Taurus. It's going to be direct. And that normally creates even more of kind of like what we've been talking about these I, I feel it's going to create even more in, inside of ourselves, like this moment of uh, just a shakeup. That's, I think I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, just these emotions because Uranus is already quite a disruptive, I mean, Uranus is ruled by Aquarius. And so even though Uranus right now is in Taurus, it still has like that energy around it. And so I think this is going to be a very deep period of really looking within and some of those themes that you just touched on and Uranus going direct again, that move will, will create more impact on us as well, as well as the market, because it going through Taurus right now, which is the sign of literally our economy, um, we could probably see something happen in general in the economy, whether it's, mm. you know, even the stock market or which I honestly haven't even looked at in these past couple of days. Um, so that's another interesting day, 27th of January. Yeah. There's a lot going on right now. There is, there really is. It, it, it's interesting Ooh. to say that because I just read an article the other day as well about, um, you know, the un, we've talked about it previously on the podcast, but um, and how interesting it is that the way that the news reports things, like when si Silicon Valley Bank collapsed, it was like very, very much in the news cycle. But there have been other granted smaller banks that have also folded during that period of time. And there's been other, you know, exposures that, you know, really big banks like JP Morgan and things like that are sitting on billions and billions of dollars, possibly trillions 
of dollars of unrealized losses um really brought about by the us tre the holding us treasuries and and these interest rate hikes so we we maybe see some um some you know disruption in those areas as well and some surprise sort of events happening in the traditional finance areas as well yeah i think if um if anybody wants to uh hear more on uranus taurus and these themes um, on the kind of wider economy. We did a really great episode. I believe it's episode two, uh, which was new moon and solar eclipse in Aries. Um, and I believe that within that, we spoke uh, more about that. So definitely refer back to that episode. Um, okay, so should we talk a little bit about Venus? Absolutely. Because I, I feel like, I don't know, Claire feels similarly that Venus in in financial astrology is often forgotten about maybe <laughs> or it's kind of like put to the side because people know Venus to be the planet of love you know um but actually Venus is a really really great representation of money as well and of how we as humans uh, the way that we act or respond uh, towards money or with our money. You know, Claire and I were talking earlier and we were talking about even how kind of there are even look within yourself and the relationship between the way that you act with love and the way that you act with money. Typically, they're quite similar or they have a lot of similarities. Um, I love looking at Venus as well, Um in regards to your relationship with with money, whether it's a it's a love and it's a healthy love, or whether it maybe comes from greed, um, I actually feel like it can bring up if there's any underlying uh, potential addictions around money. I was actually just having this conversation with my dad last night about how um, how people forget that money can very much be used i mean it's a substance as well if you you can very much even create addictions around it you know with things such as gambling or spending um and there's some really interesting science behind that too which which we won't get into today but um venus and i found on x this this chart um which I believe it was by S.J. Anderson, because um, we like to give credit where it is due. And whether he or somebody else went through and looked at in the past for Bitcoin, the, the what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Corinne, words. Um, the relationship, the reaction, the results that Bitcoin or that Venus had when it was in different signs on Bitcoin, right? So anyway, Venus from the 23rd of January, so also recently, just shifted into Capricorn. Now, prior to this, it was in Sagittarius and before that, it was in Scorpio and 
that was really positive times. And even on this chart that was created, looking back, you know, from even 2011, every time that Venus went through Scorpio or Sagittarius, it was really positive energy or it was very positive results. And Bitcoin continued to kind of move to the upside. And that's what we have seen during these past months as well. Now, however, when Venus moves into Capricorn, and in particular the past eight years, or even more so the past three years, there has been a negative response or a negative result in Bitcoin. And that's where we start to see the moving to the downside. So Venus is going to be in Capricorn until the 16th of February. And that is very much a, it's like an additional puzzle piece to what we've been talking about with the full moon in Leo, Pluto first shifting into Aquarius, Uranus going direct, all of these little energies put together, which are very much indicating price coming to the downside for now for, for Bitcoin. Now, after that, Venus is moving into Aquarius. So that will be the 16th of February. And in the past, that actually looks really positive for Venus. Uh, Bitcoin has responded well to that. So of course, we can't fully just rely on that. We do need to look at the other energies around it. Like I do see there's going to be a full moon in Virgo, uh, which is, historically has been actually the most unfavorable moon positioning for Bitcoin. So we've got to look a little bit deeper into that energy and what's going on around that time astrologically. Um, but coming back to today and what we're going to probably be seeing as we head towards the new moon in Aquarius is more to the downside. Um, I do feel like it's going to be short-lived. I, I do feel like um, we're probably going to see as we get closer to the new moon, whether, you know, price kind of stabilizes and um, we have a moment of sideways movement or even a little bit of movement to the upside again with the new moon in Aquarius uh, before then we continue to the downside as we head towards the full moon in Virgo, which will be on the 24th of February. So yeah, as we were saying before, I think this is just the time to really get ready for those buying opportunities. As the astrology tells us, it's probably a nice time to be looking at investing. Yeah, absolutely. And we also have Mars in Capricorn as well. Mars is actually mm. exalted in Capricorn and it's been from the 4th of January to the 13th of February. And what it means... Mars is considered exalted in Capricorn, meaning that it's like assertive and dynamic qualities are expressed most effectively and positively here. So it means that a planet is at home in that sign. It's like happy in that sign. And so Capricorn's an earth sign. It's associated with structure and discipline and ambition. And the exaltation suggests a more focused, strategic and disciplined approach to achieving goals. So in Capricorn, Mars is sometimes impulsive energy is almost tempered by Capricorn's practical and methodical nature. So it's leading to more calculated and effective actions. So that I think also 
leans to buying opportunities and being very structured in where do I where do I want to buy? What are the levels that I'm looking at? What are the spaces that I what is my plan basically? And really being quite diligent and disciplined and sticking to that plan. Um, rather than being caught up in the emotions of, you know, whatever gurus are shouting about something or whatever people are, um, you know, talking about on Twitter or something like that. It's really having your own plan and being very structured and disciplined in carrying out that plan. Yeah, 100%. Should we talk um, about positive? Should we talk about some numerology? Exactly. And, um, numerology of 2024 it's actually quite exciting and exactly uh, let's finish off on a very positive note because there's a lot of good coming yeah it's absolutely I mean it looks it looks a little dark it's always sad when there's a red day for bitcoin we're always sad but um you know <laughs> these things are really healthy and they're nothing to be scared of and they're nothing to be sad about they really are something, a time to see opportunities. So, um, but moving into 2024, in numerology, 2024 is an eight year, and that is viewed as a time of significant potential for personal growth, material success, and achievement. So this period is often associated with themes of power, responsibility, and financial gain. The number eight in numerology is known for its association with balance, particularly in the balance between the material and the spiritual worlds. So during an eight year, you might find that issues related to finance, career, and authority come to the forefront. We have like 40 or 50 countries going through major elections this year. Um, so that's already that's definitely already on the cards for sure. Um, it's a potent time for making strides in your professional life or for seeing the results of your hard work in the form of financial rewards. This year can bring opportunities for advancement, but also demands a strong sense of discipline, organization, and management. It's important to remember that the potential for power and success comes with responsibility. In an eight year, the way that you handle your power, whether it's financial influence over others or personal strengths, is really crucial. This period may test your integrity and ethical standards, urging you to act responsibly and justly. It's also a time to be mindful of the balance between the material and the spiritual. While the eight year can bring material success, it also calls for consideration of deeper, more spiritual, non-material aspects of life. Um, it's a year that can really bring about powerful transformation, but this transformation can be in character and internal strength, not just external success. So remember how you experience an eight year can really vary on your personal numerology and your current life circumstances, but it also just offers a landscape of potential um, but your choices and actions, of course, will really shape, ultimately shape this experience. But I see a lot of positivity in that. I see a lot of positivity and potential in that eight year. And um, do you have some numerology for Bitcoin? I'm always interested in this. Yeah, let's talk about Bitcoin's numerology, because, of course, 2024 and what you just spoke about is like the themes for for everyone and just for everybody on this earth as we go through this uh, calendar year. 
And then there's the side of, so the, the personal year cycle, and that is dependent on everybody's personal birthday. And Bitcoin, as we know, just recently had its birthday on its our last episode, so the 3rd of January. And it just stepped to, into its uh, year cycle number three. So prior to that, and I think it's cool when we first look at the last year. So the last year, it was in its personal uh, year cycle 11. So that was all about establishing things for a greater vision and for a greater mission for the greater good. And I feel like that was very much represented in, uh, in 2023 for Bitcoin. Now that it's come into uh, its next birthday in 2024, it started its year, as I said, number three, which is all about popularity, communication, and like it's a very popular like number even for, you know, in this day and age, like on social media to just really have that attention. And I loved seeing how as soon as Bitcoin stepped into that year cycle for itself, we had the ETF approval for it. So it's mm. kind of like... Uh, already really preparing us for what this next year is going to look like for Bitcoin. Just a lot of popularity. It's going to have a lot of attention. Um, and and yeah, so that on top of the energy of what you just spoke about with 2024, overall, it is a very successful year coming up in one way or another. So I'm very excited for 2024. Yeah, me too. Me too. I think that it's going to be a really positive year, not without its bumps and ups and downs, but, um, you know, I think it's going to be a really good year. And yes. I think as well, um, you know, in terms of, of Bitcoin, like, yes, it looks red today, but, um, you know, it's, it's nothing to be scared about. It's, um, that's really what I want to communicate. Um, at the end of this episode is that it's like, look, for, look at it as an opportunity um, and don't let anybody freak you out and scare you out of the market. Exactly. Because I think that's, let's just say their plan. That's but yeah. we're, <laughs> we're here, we're aware, and uh, we know the steps to take. And just remember, if in doubt, zoom out and look at the bigger picture. Absolutely. I think we'll end it there. Yeah. Well, happy full moon in Leo, everyone. Happy full moon. Have a good one. Peace, love and Bitcoin. Yeah. Peace, love and Bitcoin. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Bitcoin Zodiac podcast. We hope you enjoyed our discussions about the evolution of Bitcoin viewed through the lens of financial astrology. This podcast does not offer financial advice, so please make sure you do your own research. And stay tuned for our next episode where we will continue to dive deeper and build off these perception-expanding topics. Remember, whatever your beliefs may be, we all have something to learn from each other. So stay curious, stay open-minded, and keep exploring the world of Bitcoin and astrology. As always, may the stars align in your favor and your crypto investments prosper. Until next time, peace, love, and Bitcoin.